The Boxcar Children, Special Number 14, The Home Run Mystery, created by Gertrude Chandler Warner. Chapter 1, A Broken Down Baseball Park. I wonder why they call this place the Half Moon Inn, said six-year-old Benny Alden. I don't see any moons, only that picture of a boat. Benny and his big brother, Henry, were unpacking in their room in the country hotel. That boat is a famous ship, the Half Moon, Henry replied. He was 14 and knew a lot. In the early 1600s, Henry Hudson and his crew sailed the Half Moon up that river outside. The Hudson River, Benny said. A knock sounded on their door. Their sisters, Jessie and Violet, came inside. Aren't you guys done yet? teased Jessie Alden. At 12, she was the most organized. We've been unpacked for ages. We've only been here 30 minutes, Henry pointed out. No wonder I'm hungry, exclaimed Benny. We haven't eaten since lunch. Ten-year-old Violet said with a giggle. Plus, you asked Grandfather to stop at that roadside stand for strawberries. Asked on cue, James Alden stopped by the open door. I see the girls won the unpacking contest, he said with a laugh. I'm off to meet the town council. I'll be back for supper. Is it okay if we look around town? Henry asked. Of course. Grandfather gave him and Jesse some extra pocket money. In case you want a snack. I will, Benny piped up. Jesse put the money in her shorts pocket. Benny would never change. Just that morning, after eating breakfast in their house in Greenfield, Connecticut, they waved goodbye to Mrs. McGregor, the housekeeper, and watched their dog, then piled into the station wagon. Hours later, they reached Pikesville, New York, a small town on the Hudson River. James Alden had been invited by the town council for his expert business advice on improving life in Pikesville. What a great summer day, said Henry as they left the inn. The weather was perfect but sunshine did little to perk up the dreary streets of Pikesville. Row houses marched one after the other, many in need of painting. Boarded storefronts added to the gloom. It's not very pretty, is it? said Violet. In fact, the town looked sad and neglected. Henry agreed. It's like it's been forgotten. That's why Grandfather was asked to come here, said Jesse. He's helped places like this come alive again. Benny pointed to an old red brick building in front of them. What is that? Let's find out. Violet led the way down the broken sidewalk. They crossed a vacant lot overgrown with weeds to the front of the long, four-story building. Large double doors were framed by dozens of small windows. Wires screened the windows, but most of the panes were shattered. It's a factory, Henry figured out. A very old factory of some kind. Jessie tapped a piece of chipped brick from the sidewalk with her sneaker. It was probably nice when it was first built. Just then the children heard a roar from behind the factory. Kids were booing and cheering. What's going on? asked Violet, but Jesse and the others were already heading toward the back of the building. They stopped in amazement at what they saw. The factory had been built in an L shape. Nestled in the angle of the L was a ballpark. Neat, Henry exclaimed. What a great place to put a ballpark. A high fence with faded posters peeling from its crooked boards backed up against the brick sides of the old factory. The third side of the ballpark was bordered by the street, the fourth by a weed-choked empty lot. Shaggy grass grew high in the outfield, all the way up to the sides of the old factory. The infield was hard-packed dirt. A roofed grandstand had been built near the home base, where the corner of the empty lot met the road. The rest of the seats were splintery bleachers. Outside the foul line, beyond third base in the outfield, a rickety one-story clubhouse stood. Teams of boys and girls were playing. A few people sat in the grandstand. Let's watch, said Jesse. They climbed into the bleachers and sat next to a man about grandfather's age. Who's playing? Benny asked the gentleman. 
The team in blue shirts is the Hudson Half Moons, replied the man. That's the home team. They're playing the Catskill Eagles in the red shirts. Both teams are in the playoffs for the championship. What's the score? asked Henry. The Catskill Eagles are leading, said the man, shaking his head. I don't know how they're doing it. Our team is much better. He pointed to a girl a little older than Violet sitting in the dugout. That's my granddaughter. Her name is Emily. Emily had long brown hair worn in a ponytail pulled through her baseball cap. We're the Aldens, said Jesse. This is my sister, Violet, and my brothers, Benny and Henry. I'm Jesse. Carl Soper, pleased to know you. Mr. Soper shook hands with them all. Violet said, we play ball, too, back home. And where might home be? asked Carl Soper. Greenfield, Connecticut, answered Benny. The older man's brows lifted. That's far away. Just passing through the Hudson Valley? No, we're staying here, Henry replied. Our grandfather is working with the town council to help restore Pikesville. Carl Soper grunted. Restore? That's all you read about in the Pikesville Star. If they hadn't closed the hat factory, the town wouldn't have died. Now the town council has all these newfangled ideas to make Pikesville into a tourist spot. Don't you think it will work? Jesse asked. Instead of answering, Carl leaned forward, intent on the play down below. What's going on? Jesse saw Emily Soper take a bat from the bat boy. Emily swung the bat a few times to get the feel of it. Suddenly a man jumped off a bench. He wore a whistle around his neck and a red shirt. That's Coach Jenkins, said Carl. He's the Eagles coach. Coach Jenkins took the bat from Emily with an apologetic smile and gave her another. Emily swung this bat and nodded that it was okay. Even from the grandstand, Jesse could see Emily look puzzled. That's weird, she remarked. Why would the other team's coach change Emily's bat? Who knows? But my granddaughter is the best batter on the team, Carl Soper said proudly. If anyone will win this game for the Half Moons, it'll be my Emily. The pitcher wound up the pitch. Their pitcher looks pretty good, commented Henry. Carl nodded. His name is Danny. He's Coach Jenkins' little brother. Danny threw the ball. Crack! Emily's bat hit the ground and she raced to first base. Her ball was still in the air. Emily danced at first, then decided to go for second. It would be close. She would have to slide, Jesse decided. As she dove for the bag, the second baseman put out his foot, preventing Emily from finishing the slide. Instantly, the umpire came between Emily Soper and the Eagles' second baseman. Interference! The half-moons were yelling. The play was called fair, and Emily was called out. The dark look on Emily's face showed her anger and disappointment. Then the coaches got into the debate. The two men argued hotly, and the umpire called a timeout. Emily Soper hopped into the stands. Her grandfather handed her a soda from the ice-filled cooler at his feet. Did you see that? Emily said. Did you see Jason Baker stick his foot out? It was interference, and the umpire called me out instead. Yes, we saw, said Carl Soper. Jesse noticed that Emily was holding her right arm. Is your arm okay? She asked. Emily glanced at her arm. I'm okay. Who are you guys? I'm sorry, said Mr. Soper. Emily, meet my new friends, Benny, Violet, Jesse, and Henry. They are staying here with their grandfather, who is in town on business. Nice to meet you, said Emily. She stuck her right hand out to Benny first and winced when he shook it. How bad is that arm? asked her grandfather. I'll be all right. Emily drank the rest of her soda and went back to her team. She's a stubborn one, Carl said with a smile, just like all us soapers. Soon Emily was up at bat again. The Eagles led 10 to 3. Emily needed to hit a home run and bring the players in from the bases. But from the way she held her bat, it was clear her arm was bothering her. She hit the ball, a pop fly. The first baseman easily caught it and she was out. The game was over. The Hudson Half Moons had lost. Nice going, Emily, 
jeered one of her teammates. You're just as bad as old home run Herman. Henry wondered what the kid meant. Emily walked slowly to the stands and sat down heavily beside her grandfather. I lost a game, she said glumly. You hurt your arm, said Violet. It was brave of you to go on playing. Emily smiled at Violet. Thanks. I'm glad somebody besides Gramps is in my corner. Do you live with your grandfather? asked Jessie. The pair seemed very close. Yes, we're family, Carl Soper answered, ever since Emily's parents died. I was only four, Emily said. We live with our grandfather too, Benny put in. Our parents died and we went to live in a boxcar. Emily looked at him with interest. A boxcar? It was empty, Henry explained, and in the woods. We stayed there until our grandfather found us and took us to live with him. We still have the boxcar, added Jessie. It's in our backyard. Grandfather had it brought there. Neat, said Emily. Then she remembered the ball game. Brandon, he's our pitcher, thinks the Eagles are cheating, and so do I. What makes you think that? asked Violet. The Eagles have won nearly every game this season, said Emily. They never win this many games. Maybe they have better players now, said Henry. No, Mr. Soper said firmly. Something is going on. Did you see me pick up that bat before I slid into second? said Emily. Then Coach Jenkins came over and took it away from me. He gave me another bat. That was strange, Jessie agreed. Has he ever swapped bats before? Emily shook her head. I don't know why he did it. To rattle you? suggested Henry. Maybe, Emily said. If the Eagles are cheating, how will we ever catch them? The Aldens glanced at one another. Then Benny grinned. Guess what? This is your lucky day. Chapter 2. The Doubleheader Case Emily stared at Benny. Why is it my lucky day? Because we solve mysteries, he replied. We've solved cases all over the place. Really? Emily's brown eyes were wide. Jessie chuckled. Benny's bragging just a little. Sometimes we figure out mysteries. Emily bounced with excitement. Great. Can you find out if the Eagles are cheating? We can try, answered Henry. We're going to be here till Saturday. The championship game is Friday, said Emily and we play again tomorrow. But how are we going to catch them? Violet thought for a moment. Jessie's a good player. Is there a way she can join the other team as a substitute? That way she can watch from the inside. Good idea, Henry said. Emily, have any of the Eagles been sidelined? Emily nodded. Brian Preston hurt his knee yesterday. Jessie could take his place if Coach Jenkins will agree to it. This might work, said Henry. Violet, Benny, and I can work the case from the outside. We'll watch the Eagles and see what they're doing. And if Coach Jenkins goes for it, Jessie will be checking out the Eagles from the inside. I feel so much better, Emily said. Even though I made the team lose today, we could still win the championship. Her grandfather grunted. And then it's all over. The youth leagues will be broken up. Why? asked Jessie. It's a long story, said Carl. We have time, said Henry. We don't have to be back at the inn for a while. Carl Soper fished sodas from the cooler, passed them around, and the Aldens settled down to hear his story. Back in the early 1900s, Pikesville was a big town, Carl began. Not like what you see today. Everybody worked in the men's hat factory. Baseball was the big sport in those days. Every town had its own team. The hat factory formed a ball club and built this baseball park right on the factory lot. Did people play during recess? Asked Benny, making them all laugh. Well, the factory wasn't exactly like school, but we did have a lunch hour and we could hit a few if we wanted, Carl said. But the ballpark was built for our minor league team, the Pikesville Grays. Henry shook his head. I've never heard of them. There's a reason for that, said Carl. The Grays had a great batter nicknamed Home Run Herman because he hit so many balls into the fence. In those days, if you hit the fence, it was an automatic home run. 
Herman could have made it to the major leagues, except for one big game. Violet sipped her soda. Carl was a good storyteller. She couldn't wait to hear the rest. Carl went on. At the end of the 1908 season, the Grays were in the playoffs. Everyone knew they would win the pennant because Herman had been hitting home runs all season. The next game would bring the Grays fame and put Pikesville on the map as an important baseball town. Were you there that day? asked Benny. Once again, everyone laughed. When Carl finished wiping his eyes, he said, Benny, I wish I had been there that day, but I wasn't even born yet. Jessie nudged her little brother. Emily's grandfather is about the same age as our grandfather. Grandfather wasn't around in 1908 either. Carl continued the story. But everyone in town was at the game. You can bet on that. These stands were packed. A lot of people bought expensive tickets to sit here in the grandstand. Some bought cheaper tickets to sit on those bleachers. The factory bigwigs had a special box down front. Nobody wanted to miss a single inning. Henry could almost hear the sound of vendors calling, Peanuts! Programs! Carl lowered his voice. Yet it was the worst game home run Herman ever played. He didn't hit any home runs. He struck out again and again. The Grays lost the game and the championship. That's too bad, said Violet with a sigh. She had hoped this story would have a happy ending. Carl nodded. When the game was over, Herman's teammates were angry with him. They felt he had let them down. In the clubhouse over there, where the players had lockers to change from their street clothes into their uniforms, somebody found a $20 bill in the pocket of Herman's pants. Back then, $20 was a lot of money. More than Herman made in a month at the hat factory. Where did he get it? Jesse asked. His teammates figured Herman took a bribe to throw the game. Violet was puzzled. You mean lose the game on purpose for money? Why would anybody do that? Carl shook his head. No honest player would, but not all players are honest. Carl sighed and went on. Herman said that on his way to the game, he had helped a lady whose motor car had gotten stuck in a ditch, and she had given him the money for his trouble. He also said he heard his shoulder pushing the car, but no one else in the whole town had seen this lady. Nobody believed Herman's story. They sure gave up on their hero quickly, Henry said. Even quicker when the newspapers got hold of the story, said Carl. It became a huge scandal. The story was picked up by papers as far away as New York City. The papers called for the mystery lady to come forth, but she never did. Pikesville was in disgrace. Benny wondered about the baseball player. What happened to home run Herman? He left town, replied Carl. He didn't leave a note or tell anybody. He just up and left. Home run Herman was never heard from again. The Aldens were silent for a moment after hearing such an astonishing tale. Nothing was ever the same, Carl concluded. People blamed everything on home run Herman after that. If only Herman hadn't thrown the game, they'd say. Pikesville would be a big town still. Would it? asked Violet. She couldn't believe that one man losing a single baseball game was the cause of a town falling into ruin. No, said Carl. It didn't help that Pikesville was known for its cheating baseball team. But men's hats went out of fashion sometime after I began working in the factory. And then the factory closed. Some found other jobs in town, but many had to look elsewhere. It wasn't like the grand old days when everyone worked at the hat factory and the Pikesville Grays were the champions. That's a sad story, said Benny. You haven't heard the worst part, Emily told him. Remember that name the kid called me when our team lost? Yeah, said Jesse. He said you were just as bad as home run Herman. What did he mean by that? Carl put his arm around Emily's shoulders. Herman's last name was Soper. Home run Herman was my uncle and Emily's great-granduncle. Everybody makes fun of our name. Emily said glumly. The funny part is that Emily is a great batter, said Carl, just like Herman was. 
He scratched his chin. I'd give anything to have our name cleared, so Emily could play without kids comparing her to her great-granduncle. Henry suddenly remembered something Mr. Soper had mentioned earlier. You said the youth leagues are going to be broken up after the championship game on Friday. How come? he asked. Once more, Carl grumbled. Because the town council has pretty much decided to tear down this ballpark. The kids won't have any place to play in town. They claim in the future they'll build another ballpark out by the highway. Jesse swallowed. Grandfather was here to help the town council fix up the town. But surely Grandfather wouldn't agree to tear down the ballpark? He always believed kids should have places of their own to play. They're going to turn the factory into one of those fancy mini-malls, Emily added. That won't be so bad, said Jesse. At least the old factory won't be torn down. But why tear down the ballpark? asked Benny. He thought the old grandstand and grassy outfield were neat. Because the council would rather have a big parking lot here. Carl Soper stood up, and everyone was quiet for a moment. Well, Emily and I best be heading home, he finally said. You need to talk to Coach Jenkins about substituting on the Eagles team, Emily said to Jesse. Henry stood up too. We'll be here tomorrow morning. I hope Jesse will talk Coach Jenkins into letting her play. We'll do everything we can to find out if the other team is cheating. Emily smiled at them. I'm glad you came to Pikesville. See you tomorrow. She and her grandfather walked down the bleachers. Well, declared Violet, looks like we have another mystery. Henry held up two fingers. Not just one mystery. Two. Two? What are they? Benny asked. Jesse knew. First, we have to find out if the Catskill Eagles are cheating. And second... Maybe we can find out what really happened to home run Herman. Two cases, said Benny, delighted. In baseball, that's known as a doubleheader, Jessie added, and she went down by herself to talk to Coach Jenkins. Chapter 3. The Factory is Haunted Gosh, I forgot how hungry I was, said Benny as the waitress led them to their table. Well, that's a first, Grandfather said, laughing. What have you all been doing to make Benny forget his appetite? It's really exciting. We can't wait to tell you. Violet said, unfolding her napkin in her lap. Let's order first, said Henry, studying the large menu. Like Benny, he was famished. The Aldens had driven to the nearby town of Croton-on-Hudson to eat at a little seafood place on the river. Luckily, they were able to get a table by a window. Benny was fascinated by a tugboat chugging up the Hudson. He would love to be the captain of his own boat someday. Benny, have you decided? asked Jesse. Benny picked up his menu. The choices were written in script. He could read, but only printing. They have a bacon burger, Jesse pointed out helpfully. It comes with fries and a salad. I'll have that. Benny closed his menu, hoping there was something chocolate for dessert. Jesse ordered the same. Violet and Henry chose tuna burgers, and Grandfather decided on a salmon steak. The waitress came back with glasses of water and bowls of tortilla chips and salsa. Grandfather ordered for everyone, adding a pitcher of lemonade. Now, said James Alden. What have you been up to? We visited a ballpark, Henry answered, dipping a chip into the spicy salsa. It was behind an old factory. Grandfather nodded. I heard about that ballpark. Is it true it's going to be torn down? Asked Violet. I only sat in on one meeting today, said Grandfather. But there was a lot of discussion about that ballpark. Do you know the history of it? Jessie sipped her lemonade. A little. We watched some kids playing and met a man who told us about home run Herman and how he lost a game a long time ago. That's what I learned, too, Grandfather said. Apparently, this young ball player was caught with $20 in his pocket. His teammates thought he had been bribed by the other team to lose. But nobody knows for sure what happened, Henry put in. 
Yes, but the scandal left its mark on this town, said Grandfather. One reason they'd like to tear down the ballpark. That way they'll be rid of that old shame. Yes, but the scandal left its mark on this town, said Grandfather. That's one reason they'd like to tear down the ballpark. That way they'll be rid of that old shame. But what about the kids who want to play baseball? asked Benny. Where will they go? Mrs. Percy, who's on the council, said there are plans to build a new ballpark outside of town sometime in the future. No one could give me any more information. I only know this town wants to attract tourists and get young families to move here. Those are the things that keep a town alive. Just then the waitress came with their meals. Plates were handed around, and no one spoke for a few minutes, except to ask for the ketchup or the salt. We're going to the playoff game tomorrow, Henry told Grandfather. In fact, Jesse is substituting for a sidelined player. How did that come about, Grandfather asked. Henry told Grandfather of their suspicions about the Eagles, and that it had only taken Coach Jenkins five minutes of watching Jesse throw, catch, and bat before he agreed to let her play. Good, said Grandfather. There's not much excitement in Pikesville. I'm glad you found something to do. The kids looked at one another. They had two mysteries to solve. That was excitement enough. Jesse was still confused over the fate of the ballpark. Is the ballpark going to be torn down for sure? The town council will vote Friday. Grandfather cut into his salmon. The plan is to tear down the ballpark and make it into a parking lot for the mini-mall they will put in the old factory. A mini-mall? queried Benny. He had been to malls before, but not a little tiny one. It's a large building that's been converted into small shops and restaurants, explained Grandfather. The old hat factory is ideal. It's a solid building with plenty of space to divide into shops, and it's better than letting the building just fall down. That's good, said Benny. Grandfather nodded in agreement. There is one condition that might save the ballpark, but it's pretty slim. What is it? asked Violet. The factory has already been declared historical and can't be torn down. If the property around it can be declared historical too, then the town won't tear down the ballpark, said Grandfather. But they need a very good reason to list the ballpark as historical. Right now the land is just a reminder of the old baseball scandal, and several members of the town council would like to see it paved over and made into a parking lot. Violet looked at Henry. So there is hope, isn't there? Her look seemed to say. Grandfather asked, does anyone want dessert? Does the sun rise in the east? Joked Henry. I don't know about the sun, but I want a chocolate sundae, Benny said, making them all laugh. I think you have a hollow leg, Grandfather said, ruffling Benny's hair. Where do you put all that food? When dinner was over, they drove back to Pikesville. It was still light outdoors. Grandfather settled in the cozy sitting area with Bud Towers, the owner of the inn. May we take a walk? Jesse asked Grandfather. James Alden gave his permission. Don't be gone long. You've all had a busy day. Outside, the Aldens headed for the ballpark. Twilight was just beginning to close over the town. This is a good idea, Henry said to Jesse. We have a chance to look for clues and talk about the mystery. Two mysteries, Benny corrected. We have to find out if that other team is cheating, and we need to find out what happened to home run Herman, Violet finished for him. That's a pretty big job. We only have three days. We've solved tougher cases with less time, Henry said. I don't think it'll be too hard to catch the eels at cheating, if they are cheating, with all four of us watching them. And I'll be on the team, Jesse reminded them. I hope I don't make the other players suspicious. You'll be fine, Violet reassured her older sister. They reached the ballpark. Crossing the weed-choked lot, the children walked into the playing field. Shadows from the grandstand stretched nearly to the old clubhouse. It's a shame this place has to be torn down, said Jesse wistfully. I wonder if we could do anything to help save it. 
Grandfather said if the council can find a good reason to make the ballpark historical property, it might be saved, said Henry. We've already got two mysteries to solve. Let's just add that to our list, Violet said lightly. Then she looked beyond the ballpark. The empty factory was shrouded in falling darkness. She stared at the old brick building, letting her eyes adjust to the gathering gloom. Was that a light in that lower right-hand window? She rubbed her eyes. The light was gone. No, there it was, two windows away. She grabbed Henry's arm. Look, she said, and pointed to the pale yellow glow bobbing in the window. I thought that place was empty, Benny said. It is, said Violet. Mr. Soper told us the hat factory closed years ago. I think we should go back to the inn, Henry decided. We need to find out more about that place before we go hunting for clues. Violet was glad. Usually she was ready to dive into a new case, but that light was spooky. She shivered, though the evening was warm. The factory may have been shut down, but it was definitely not empty. Someone, or something, was in there tonight. The next morning, after a hearty breakfast of muffins, granola, juice, and scrambled eggs, the Aldens walked to the ballpark. The teams were already on the field, warming up. Benny spotted Carl Soper in the grandstand and waved. He went with Henry and Violet to watch along the sidelines. Jessie found Emily swinging a bat for practice out of sight of the Eagles. How's your arm? she asked her. It's okay, said Emily. I want to thank you guys for helping me out. We haven't done anything yet, said Jessie. No, but you will. Emily was confident. You told Coach Jenkins you can play center field? Yes, Jessie nodded. He made me show him my throwing and catching. Said I'm a fair batter, too. Good. I want you to meet our pitcher, Emily said as a dark-haired boy came up. Jesse, this is Brandon. Brandon, this is Jesse Alden. She and her brothers and sister are going to help us. Brandon nodded, looking around to make sure none of the Eagles players could hear or see them. Emily said you guys solve mysteries. Sometimes, Jesse said modestly. Then she heard Coach Jenkins whistle to get his team's attention, and Jesse trotted out to join her team. You're ready to play? He asked Jesse. Yes, replied Jesse. She knew center field meant a lot of running after fly balls. Danny Jenkins, the pitcher, joined them. This is my brother Danny, said the coach. Jesse is our new center fielder. I tried her out yesterday. She's pretty good. Then Coach Jenkins gave Jesse a ball cap and matching red t-shirt to pull on over her regular shirt. It was time to begin. The players took their positions. It was hot out on the field, even though the game was starting early. Jessie adjusted the visor of her cap to keep the sun out of her eyes. The coaches argued again about the call at second base the previous day, which delayed the opening pitch. They really didn't seem to like each other. Jessie glanced over at the factory. There were no lights in the broken windows this morning. Had they all imagined that light last night? Maybe it was some trick of dusk. Going to be a hot one today, commented Danny, who had left the pitcher's mound. I'm afraid so. She looked back at the factory. You keep staring at the hat factory, said Danny. Well, it's a very old building. It's more than that. Danny lowered his voice. I see lights in there at night. The factory is haunted. I'd stay away if I were you.